You're listening to the Blended Family Podcast, a weekly show with a strong focus on strategies and methods to help your family thrive. Blended families face many difficulties and challenges, which can sometimes drive families apart. The goal of this podcast is to help your blended family grow together through these challenges to create the peaceful and loving home you desire. Here is your host, Melissa. Hello, you're joining me for episode 239 of the Blended Family Podcast. I hope you're doing fabulous this week. Today, I've got an interview by an attorney, Jacqueline Newman, and she's going to be talking to us about the five ways that COVID has affected the divorce rate in an unprecedented way. And I think that you'll find it very interesting. You know, I noticed that with the times, with everything going on, a lot of people are struggling right now in their relationships. It's not just kids stuff right now or blended family stuff. It's even just our intimate relationships because we are all so overwhelmed and stressed out and I've been coaching a lot of people lately and you know somebody the other day asked me to describe what is my coaching like like what do I do in my coaching session and I tried to explain that very simply what I try to do is because I work with a lot of couples and a lot of couples see want to be right or wrong and they'll come to me with a lot of problems and I there is no right and wrong especially not for me I'm not here to say who's right or who's wrong about anything my job is really to help you see the other person's perspective you know I always said that about myself I'm kind of a perspective coach even though I call myself a blended family coach but I'm a perspective coach because I just help people see the other person's side and there's more to that than just saying, oh, I feel sorry for that person. No, this is feeling empathy in a deeper way, right? So to give you an example of that, let's just say that your partner is suffering from parental alienation. Um, That's when the other parent tries to turn the children against you. And so maybe you have a partner that's suffering from that and maybe they're very depressed all the time because it's really hard what they're going through. And, you know, somebody might say, gosh, this is so annoying. Why are you depressed all the time? You know, the kids left. You should be in a good mood. We should be spending time together. I don't want you to be upset right now. But maybe stop for a moment and say, gosh, you know, what what might it feel like if I had to worry about every time my kids were with the other parent that I was being bad-mouthed and that my kids were changing their opinion of me and so many other things that could be happening in a case like that. Of course, that's just an example. But to really sit in that and understand. So instead of being impatient with your partner for their feelings, maybe that would then make you want to go over and just kind of give them a little shoulder rub and a hug and say, I'm sorry that you're in pain. And just sit quietly with them for a few minutes. Again, that's just an example, but it's just to show you how easy it is to really look at something from the other side, but yet many people don't find that easy at all. Uh, It's very difficult for some people, especially right now. And so that's really just what I do as a coach. I kind of help just bridge that gap between the two of you so that you can, again, not figure out who's right or who's wrong, but just figure out a way to coexist together in a way that both of you can be happy. 
and not everything is going to be perfect and we know that and so anyway that's just my two cents about coaching and what I do and if anyone is interested in that if you're having some difficulties in your blended family and you can't seem to figure out how to get over the hump maybe I can help so you can always go to my link blendedfamilypodcast.com slash schedule to schedule some time with me I do have a little free consult there if you're not really sure yet or if you want to go ahead and book you can book and I promise you that I will help you you know cope with what's going on and get you pointed in the right direction whether it's alone or with your partner or with your family so that's pretty much it for that I've got I just want to really get to this interview because there's a lot of good information in here Uh, and again this is for all of my couples who are struggling right now I just want to let you know this is temporary if you are struggling it's normal to be struggling right now look at what is going on all around us so try not to let that permeate into your relationship. Uh, It's always normal that things look very magnified right now in your personal relationship because you're home more with your partner, you're spending more time together, you're doing less out socially with other people, which kind of forces you to look at one another. And it just kind of brings some things to the surface. That doesn't mean that something's bad or it's not going to work out, but if you see things coming to the surface, it's coming up so that you can deal with it. So deal with it when it comes up talk about it communicate about it don't just jump to throwing in the towel because it's hard right now because this situation is not going to last forever in fact I feel very hopeful that it's going to be over soon for all of us and so just hang on and like I always say don't make a decision when you're down and if you need any further support I am always here you can write to me melissa at blendedfamilypodcast.com I really hope that you enjoy this interview today with my guest, Jacqueline. Step parenting can be so hard. You know, I always say that step parents have the most challenging role in the blended family. If you're a step parent, I bet you know exactly what I mean. One of the biggest hurdles is knowing when to step in and when to step back. Finding our footing, our place in the family can be so overwhelming and often leads to so much frustration. Lori and David Sims learned a different approach worked for them, and they formed the Nacho Kids Academy as a way to share what they learned over the years, and their tools and resources have helped so many families. To learn more about the Academy and its creators, go back and listen to an interview when they were on this podcast at blendedfamilypodcast.com slash 195. That is episode 195. When you become a member of the Academy, you're going to get 24 video courses in the course library with a new one added each month, a minimum of two group Q&A coaching calls each month, an anonymous community where David and Lori are both active daily, one-on-one coaching discount packages, a private journaling feature, weekly nacho newsletter, and month-long challenges. And if you use my promo code BFP, you'll receive $20 off your first month, so you have nothing to lose. Head on over to nachokidsacademy.com today and use promo code BFP. I'm here with Jacqueline Newman today, and she's the managing partner at the matrimonial law firm Berkman, Botker, Newman & Shine, LLP in Manhattan. Jacqueline's practice consists of litigation, collaborative law, and mediation, 
She specializes in complex, high net worth matrimonial cases and also in negotiating prenuptial agreements. The author of The New Rules of Divorce, Newman has appeared at an, as an expert commentator on various television and radio shows and has been quoted as an expert in numerous publications, including Fox's Business, NBC News, ABC News, CBS News, The New York Times, Woman's Day, Glamour, my goodness, The New York Post, Reuters.com, Crane's New York Business, U.S. News and World Report, Business Insider, Time.com, U.S. Today, Yahoo Parenting, Woman's Day, CNBC.com, and The Huffington Post. My goodness, that is a lot. Jacqueline, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. And so we have so much to talk about today. And I know we're going to be talking about divorce and law and blended families. But today we're going to kind of talk a little bit more about COVID and how it's affecting my listeners. And so we've got lots of questions for you. But before we even get into all of that, I definitely want to know, why did you choose divorce law? Because it seems to be such a challenging avenue to go into. And I know I've seen in my share of the work that I do that divorce can be very challenging. And so I'm just curious, like, did something happen in your life that prompted you to get into that line of work? Or what was it? So my parents are both psychotherapists. So I kind of grew up in this atmosphere my whole life. Um, And the big family joke is I was too aggressive to be a therapist. (laughs) <laughs> so it was something that I've always been interested in, believe it or not. There actually is no divorce in my family to like six degrees out, um, which is interesting why this would be so interesting to me. But I've always loved the law. I've always been, you know, I've always loved relationships. And, you know, I've been doing this. I started actually when I was in college, I started focusing directly on this and worked with matrimonial, um, matrimonial attorneys. I did an independent study. Like I basically put all my eggs in one basket went to law school, did the same exact thing. And I ended up working, um, my law school professor, one of my family law law school professor, and I went up to him at the end of class and asked if he was hiring. And he was, and I've been with him for the last 20 plus years. And now I'm the managing partner of the firm. Wow, that's pretty amazing. You don't always hear of that a lot. So you must obviously like what you do. Tell me, what do you like about being a divorce attorney? So I love what I do. Um, and I think one of, the, one of the things I love the most, obviously, is being able to help people. You know, I get people that are coming and thinking their whole worlds are over. And to be able to kind of watch them strengthen and watch them grow throughout this process and become independent and see the world in a different way, you know, it's very inspiring. And it's, it's you know, I feel honored to be part of that process. And another thing that's really interesting about it is that we deal a lot in the high net worth space. And so we deal with a lot of business owners. We deal with a lot of CEOs, we deal with, um, you know, people that just all walks of life. But the interesting part about it is I get to learn something different all the time. Like I'm constantly learning because, you know, if I'm representing somebody who owns a hedge fund, I'm going to learn all about the hedge fund because I need to understand that if I'm learning, if I'm representing someone who's a restaurant owner, I'm going to learn all about the restaurant business. Like I'm constantly learning things and that's exciting and that's fun because, you know, sometimes when you do something for 20 plus years, you get to a point where you feel like you've known everything. And I definitely feel like I'm constantly learning new things that help me in, you know, other parts of life. Like I joke that if I go to any cocktail party, I've got a good five minutes of conversation on pretty much any topic because I've been exposed to it. So I think it's great. I love it. And, you know, I'm so happy. I put, as I said, I put all my eggs in one basket, so I'm really glad it worked out. 
Oh, that's pretty amazing. And my listeners have all seen their share of divorce because we're all blended families. And so many of us have had a divorce or two under our belt. And so I know that it's a very difficult time. And so it's nice when you can have somebody that can help you through. And I know that we don't know the exact statistics of divorce pre and post COVID. And we're not even through this situation yet, but I know that you've said that you imagine the divorce rate to be increasing uh, after COVID. And I would love to know, why do you think that this virus is going to be driving the divorce rate up? What have you seen in your line of work? So what's going on is that, you know, when this thing first broke, say, you know, really broke probably in like, January, February, but, you know, it hit in March. And so what ended up happening was you had a ton of people that were, first of all, it hit during spring break. So you had a lot of people that were fighting about the idea of whether you travel, whether you don't travel, the fact that there was just, everybody didn't know what was going on. It's a series of chaos. What ended up happening, and then you had people that, you know, went into lockdown. And so, you know, I say all the time, like, this is going to make or break your relationship. And the relationships that were on the edge are probably going to get pushed over because, you are in such an unnatural state. You probably haven't spent this much time with your spouse since your honeymoon. And sometimes that's not a good thing. And then you add on top of it that you have children that are home from school and they're totally, you know, they're in a situation of they don't know what's going on. You have the anxiety levels. The market originally, while it has strengthened, you know, it was tanking at one point and that was very stressful. Job insecurity, all the stressors of life are all getting thrown at you all at once. And if you're not in a marriage that is strong enough to withstand that, then, you know, at the end of the day, when this is over, I think a lot of people are going to be rushing to divorce attorneys' offices because they're just going to realize that, you know, being married to this person didn't get them through this crisis. Yeah, I've been saying since the beginning of this whole thing that it sure is going to show you what you like in your life and what you don't like in your life and what needs to be changed. And sometimes, unfortunately, that is a marriage. Uh, I'm one of the lucky ones. I guess you could say that I work with my husband all the time. And we've been working together for, you know, the whole time, pretty much of our relationship. And so for us, we've already been used to spending that much time together. Otherwise, I can imagine that it's it's very challenging for the couples that really don't spend a lot of time together. You, you really uh, learn a lot about somebody. And so it should be interesting to see all this stuff come down. And, you know, one of the things that I've always said, though, and I don't know if you'd agree with me, Jacqueline, is that I, I always say never make a decision when you're down. So... I would say try to not make a decision whether you want a divorce during a quarantine because these this is going to pass, <laughs> this situation. And yeah, sure, maybe it's shown people things that they didn't see before, but I definitely think that it would be it's not always a great idea to make a decision when you're down and out and when things are really rough. But what do you think about that? I absolutely agree with you. And so in the very beginning, when I had people calling me and saying, just get me out of here. I was very, that was exactly the advice I gave. I said, listen, this is a blip on the radar. And especially at that time, we didn't think this was mm -hmm. going to last as long as it's been lasting. But either way, I said, you can't, you know, you have, again, someone in their most stressful, unnatural circumstances. You can't now decide you want to get, I mean, you can decide whatever you want. But I said, I would take this time to become educated. You know, this is the time to really understand what divorce means. Because a lot of people throw around the world and don't really understand what the ramifications of it are. And, you know, I was very much like, take a moment and breathe. Like, you just kind of have to don't make big decisions right now. Let's see what ends up happening. You know, if at the end of this, you really still want to move forward, then let's talk about it. But I was very much what you were saying, too, is just like, don't look at this 
as any kind of precedent for the rest of your marriage. Like, again, this is such an unnatural, bizarre time to be living. And I just don't think, and I very much hope that this is not going to be our future forever. And so therefore, don't think that therefore your marriage is doomed because you guys aren't getting along right now. Yeah, I'm so glad that you said that because yeah, in some cases it's just temporary and your relationship will might go right back to normal the way it was once everybody, the stress gets lifted and everybody goes back to work. And of course, in other situations, that might not be the case. But Jacqueline, you say that there are five ways how COVID-19 is going to have an unprecedented and historic impact on divorce across the U.S. And I really want to talk about those five ways because I think that it would be really helpful for the listeners. So the first one, and I want the listeners to keep in mind that this would be for a traditional family or a blended family, but being that you're all blended families, I think that it's just going to drive the challenge up just even that much more. But the first one is that there are new reasons for contention. There's new things for people to be getting upset about and arguing over. So Jacqueline, why don't you talk about those first? Sure. So, I mean, some of the things we kind of mentioned before. So again, we're in the situation where people are going to be fighting because there's job instability. People are, you know, some people, you know, we work in New York City. So a lot of people are in New York City apartments. They're not huge. And so you're usually in a situation where you have like a one bedroom, two bedroom, three bedroom. I mean, even if you had a five bedroom, it's not going to be big enough. So at the end of the day, you're in these situations where you have people that are living in tight quarters, and especially in New York City, where they really can't go outside that much. And, you know, you can't be in, you know, if you have a backyard, at least you can take a walk around the block. It's a little bit different sometimes in New York City. Um, then you had job instability. People don't know if they're keeping their jobs. People have lost their jobs. Um, you know, and there's going to be pay cuts, odds are, if, if they're working in a kind of business that's going to be in, impacted by COVID. You know, the market being all over the place. That's also a financial stressor by far. You've got kids that are home. You had kids that came home from college. You thought you were an empty nest and now they're back. Um, and they're not happy about it. So, you know, you're adding that whole level of them being very unhappy. You've got kids that are trying to do homeschooling, which, you know, and virtual school. And that's very stressful, especially again in a New York City apartment. One of the things I hear is that, you know, there are thin walls. Like no matter, even if you have a large apartment, there are thin walls. And the idea that you have four different Zooms going on at the same time, that's loud and that's annoying and it's stressful. Um, you know, if you have any child that has any kind of special needs and has to sit in a chair for six hours, that's very, very challenging. Um, so it's like all of these things and it's the uncertainty, you know, and then you add on top of it, you know, you turn on the news and it's like, you don't have the releases that many people had before. You don't had, you know, now you're getting some sports, but originally you had no sports. You have no, you know, Broadway, your TV show that you've been watching forever, that's now canceled you know, because they can't ultimately continue filming. So a lot of the escapes that people would normally use are also getting um, taken away. So it's just very hard. And then you have the whole political climate, which also adds a lot of stressor to many marriages. Um, I know we're not going to get into all the politics on that. But again, people's TV is on. And so it's just adding everything. And so I think that it's just it's a very difficult time to be living through any marriage. Um, hopefully, you know, many are going to strengthen from it and realize that they got through this tough time. But there's many that won't. Yeah. And I also, this is a good time to bring up a, a couple of other points of blended families arguing over some really important topics right now, like the vaccine, like masks, like social distancing, like, um, hey, when I send my child over to my ex's house, are they going to be practicing everything the way I am here, or the way I agree with? And this becomes very difficult 
because there are no rules around this. So tell me, has that come up in your line of work where people are fighting over whether they want their child to wear a mask or not, or whether they feel that they should be social distancing or where the vaccine is a huge one because you're right. talking about healthcare here. So has that come up at all? Oh, it's been huge. I mean, this is like when this thing first hit, especially when you didn't know what the protocols were, people were fighting all over the place. Like again, it hit in March and in New York City, those, it hit during private schools, spring breaks. And so you had a lot of people that wanted to fly internationally. And so that was a huge issue where you had certain people that were like, you cannot get on a plane, you cannot leave near, you know, the United States borders. And other parents are like, don't control me. This is my time. I can do what I want. And it was an enormous fight. Um, and, you know, to the point that, and I'm not one who gets overly hysterical, but I, I had a client that the husband, or the ex-husband was taking the children, you know, internationally. And I, not knowing if borders were going to get shot, I said to her, I was like, I, if I were you, I would get on a plane the second they take off, you get on another plane and you follow them because you do not want to be on the wrong side of the border of your children. Like, oh. if they get lost in some country, you do not want to be here. And so, I mean, and it's so something that is not my personality to be all like, you know, and she's like, you seriously want me to get on a plane? I was like, I seriously do. Because you just didn't know what was going to end up happening. Um, and it was very, very scary. So, yes, and protocols are a huge thing because, you know, I actually had another case where my client is, you know, has some health issues divorced and the husband or the ex-husband wanted to take the child to parks and wanted to do things he was you know a fun dad and he wanted to keep doing things and she said every time you do that and then you want the child coming home to me that's putting me in a health risk and he thinks she's exaggerating and etc cetera, etc cetera. and so that kind of stuff happens now we're in a big situation where some schools you know there's an option for going virtual or not you have some parents that are saying my child to be in school they need socialization they're going to study well you can't sit and put them in front of a computer and i need child care and then you have other parents that are saying no that's a death sentence do not put them into that school and do not put them in a position where especially you know you look at a blended family let's say you have you know let's say the mom saying let's send the kids to school and dad's remarried with a child that may have some health issues and so now you're in a situation where the mom says look that's not my problem you know i want to send my i have to look at my child and my child needs this but then the father saying, well, now you're putting me in a position where I'm risking, you know, this other child's health. And so, I mean, or, or my new spouse's health, which, you know, the mother says, well, that's your problem, <laughs> you know. And so it really gets very complex. So there's been lots of fights about protocols, lots of fights about masks. You know, at some point it was very clear what the protocols were. And now we're getting a little fuzzier again as different states and different places get into different rules. And so, yeah, it's been very problematic. And as you said, there's no rule book on this. So, you know, everybody's kind of winging it and it's, it's tough. It's very hard. Uh, the blended family thing, we found that it was almost impossible to control for social distancing because even if one house did it, you couldn't control what was going on at the other house and who they were seeing. And this has been a problem for all of my listeners. I've been getting a lot of emails about this. And so that kind of brings us to the second way that it's going to have a big effect. And that's, that's on the courtroom changes, because as all these new contentions come in and all these people are fighting about the mask or the vaccine or other things that uh, the vaccine, mostly, I imagine that that has to be settled in court if you can't come to an agreement. And so tell me about how the courtroom is going to have to manage these changes as they come in, because this is all new. Right. So what happened with court, I mean, this was part of the problem too, is that the court shut down when this all started. And so you really didn't even have anywhere to go. Um, you know, so especially in March and April, I mean, it started opening and now it's open virtual to some degree. Some states um, do have some in-person appearances, but for the most part, it's virtual. 
So you're in a situation, yes, where courts don't have precedent to be relying on. You know, I did have clients that said, well, what happened when people, this has happened before? And I was like, this has never happened before. And, you know, it's the kind of thing where for us in Manhattan, you know, I know the judges, I have a good sense of where some may be coming in, but they're a little inconsistent because you, you know, there's a personal choice and judges, you know, in every case is obviously different. Um, But, you know, there's no rule book that judges got either. It's not like they said everybody, you know, and everybody has to do this or everybody has to do that because it is judgment. We also had a big situation that was flowing into our courts where, you know, I have a lot of clients that have second homes. And so you had a lot of clients that went to the Hamptons versus New York City. And this is when New York City was a hot spot. A lot of parents that were saying, I'm not bringing my kid back into the city when I'm sitting outside of the city and I'm in a safer environment. And, you know, and of course that was seen as controlling. And so the judges were getting inundated with things like this. And it was always just this big judgment call. And there, again, and when you have inconsistency amongst judges and you don't have case law to rely on, it's very difficult. So the courts were suffering with this. I think in regards to the vaccine, I don't know. I mean, well, right now we're not there yet because there isn't a vaccine yet, but it's going to be very interesting to see how courts are going to handle that, whether this will be something that's considered, you know, a mandatory. Are they going to, you know, they kind of can't tell everybody that they have to do it, but right. what's going to happen when you have one parent who says yes and one parent who says no? Um, I don't know. I mean, it's going to be tough. And I and I feel for our judges and that they're going to have to be weighing in on this all the time. because I imagine there'll be immense motion practice. Yeah, yeah, there is a lot involved in this and some very, very strong feelings on all of it, especially the vaccine. So I don't know how that's going to go. So um, but so okay, so those were the first two, we have new reasons for contention, we have courtroom changes. The third thing, and this is one that is a really big deal to me, uh, and that I've heard about this, is that there's been an uptick in spousal abuse and child abuse, which makes a lot of sense. People are home more. And so I want you to talk about that a little bit, because uh, talk about how the abuse has tendency to go up during situations like this. Yeah, no, it's it's very, very unfortunate. It's very scary. Um, You know, I mean, stressful situations, you know, right there, you know, and also people are drinking more, you know, there's a lot more people just trying to self-soothe on some level of everything that's going on from a stress perspective. I mean, they say one of the biggest days of domestic abuse is actually um, the Super Bowl because of, you know, the amount of drinking, the amount of, you know, people getting aggressive, things like that. This, you know, you're putting people in the position, you know, actually some client was making a comment how, spouse is like watching all the old Super Bowls because there was no new sports to be watching. Um, But it's very, you know, unfortunately, you are in stressful, again, stressful situations. A lot of times people don't know how to handle their stress properly. You know, we even talk about the idea that people can't go to gyms. You know, you can't do a lot of things that are stress relievers. And so what ends up happening sometimes is that people are home. Their stress is building up. There's nothing more to do. You have kids that are screaming and crying. You have people that haven't been in the home and haven't been witnessing all of this. You know, they have not been, you know, when you have someone who goes to work every day, you know, we used to joke like being at work is like a vacation <laughs> because, you know, being home with children is not an easy feat. Um, and you're home with children who aren't happy about being there and who are stressed on their own and have unknown and they're watching their parents be stressed. So that's making them act out more. I mean, it's like this vicious cycle. Yeah. And when you have abuse in the family and you don't have the outlets, you don't have the therapies, you don't have the things that maybe were something that kept a lot of this in check, it can be very scary. And, you know, and unfortunately, there's not even a whole lot that people can be doing because, again, you're not, you know, a lot of the shelters are, you know, they're in tough spots. Um, 
it's just, it's a very difficult and scary time. I mean, I have a very good friend who's a doctor and she posted on Facebook. If you're in a, if you're in a, um, if you're in an abusive situation, she's like, text me and ask me my recipe for soup and I'll know to check in on you. She's like, but if it's really bad, she's like, text me and say, what's the, what's the soup recipe with mushrooms? And I'll know to call the police. And it's one of those things like, this is kind of where we're getting. I mean, again, the fact that we're opening up a little bit, I think does put us in a better position to hopefully be dealing with a lot of this. And as people are normalizing, but I am very nervous about school starting. And I'm nervous that, you know, now you are going to be putting these kids in front of computers all day. There's going to be stress. I mean, it's an, it's inevitable that you're not going to have parents that are looking at their children saying, why aren't you doing your work? Stop doing this. Stop doing that. I mean, it's going to be in their face. You're going to have homework yeah. issues. You're going to have teachers that are going to be stressed. You know, a lot of people might have had easier summers and now they're going to be working harder um, come fall because that's pretty typical. So it's hard. I, I'm nervous about school. I'm nervous about school for a lot of people and just the stressors that's going to be involved in that for kids and for parents. What is the situation in New York? Are they doing a hybrid or are they still completely closed or what are they doing there? It's mixed. Um, the New York City public schools, my understanding is right now it is still set up to be a hybrid. Uh, that's my understanding, but I think, you know, I understand Cuomo made a comment recently, you know, a lot of the colleges are shutting down, they're going virtual. Um, so I don't know. I mean, it's, you know, it's a lot of kids, you know, my nephew is in college uh, in Ohio and he's been there for a week and his two roommates have COVID. So, you know, the odds are he's coming soon too. And it's just, you know, it's, it's rough. I mean, the colleges are really getting hit hard. And so that's going to add these kids coming home. And then how's that all going to work? Um, you know, and there's also people that don't have computers, they don't have enough Wi-Fi to support all this. I mean, there's a lot of those kind of stressors that are added to this too. And when you get a kid that's going to react to all of this and say, oh, my Wi-Fi died, my teacher's going to be mad, but and they're screaming, they're yelling, and they're having a tantrum, and you have a parent who's trying to view a business call, like that's just a very bad recipe. Yeah, I, I feel for so many parents, I've said it before, especially because I have teenagers now, so it's just a little bit easier for me compared to the parents that are are trying to deal with elementary age or middle school students a lot harder. And so I really feel for people, this is a very stressful time. And I really, I hope that things get back to some kind of normalcy soon. We need to. Okay, moving on. Number four, the fourth reason, this is a big one. This is financial factors. This is going to be huge. I know that we felt the strain ourselves. We have three different businesses, but two of them are not operating very well right now because of the virus. There are, there's unemployment, there's people that because of lack of work, they're not able to pay child support payments, people aren't able to pay their bills. So tell me how, how this is going to have an impact um, on everything with COVID and, and the financial factors. Talk about that. Yeah, I mean, it's really the stuff that you had mentioned. I mean, so you have a lot of people that are business owners that or even you know whatever i mean you look at the restaurant industry i mean that in itself is something that is really going to get hit you know sometimes you know they've been doing some have been doing okay because of outdoor seating but the real nervousness is going to be what happens when it's cold and assuming that they don't allow indoor seating at that Mm. point because it's going to correlate in the same time that you're having people go back to work in the schools and everything else so odds are numbers are going to jump and it wouldn't surprise me to see a lot of that shut down and so, yeah, I mean, that, that is a big concern. And you do have people that are not paying their child support. You have people that are taking, um, you know, self-help and they're just stopping doing things. And, you know, I've had some clients that have been very 
good about having communication and saying, listen, you know that I'm a business owner, I'm a restaurant owner, you know I don't have the money right now, I will pay you when I can. And some people have been great about it. You know, I've definitely had you know clients, we've done some amendments and stuff of people that like just acknowledging that they're not going to pay and that we're doing certain adjustments. And then you have people that have not been good about it. And, you know, and then there are people that are, you know, are taking advantage of this. And, you know, they're basically saying, you know, they're, you know, saying that their business isn't doing well because it seems very reasonable that most people don't have businesses that are doing well or many people. Some people will have businesses that are doing fantastic. Right. But, you know, at the end of the day, I think that there you know, are going to be people that are going to take advantage of this, too. And I think that's very hard when you have people that you know, might be holding back, whatever they may be doing, they may not be working as hard and they may just, you know, if they become unemployed, but they're like, well, I'm not going to even bother because, you know, trying to get another job because what can I get in COVID and just kind of sitting on the couch. And then you have the spouse who's supposed to be receiving child support being like, get up and get a job. And they're like, well, what do you want me to do? And so it's very stressful. Um, I think it's very difficult. And, you know, we don't know when the end is in sight and we don't know where if we've hit the bottom or not. Like, it's just, again, that fear of the unknown, you know, the election will play into this to some degree. Um, and so it's a lot of unknown. But yes, I think financial stressors are a huge impact on divorce and a huge impact on everything. And I think that some people are really, really suffering from them right now. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, COVID has has definitely decimated a lot of businesses and I feel for people. So if somebody, would you recommend if somebody's really, really struggling right now financially, the first thing they should try to do is talk to their ex about the child support and explain their situation and try to mediate it kind of together. And then if you can't, then what do they need to do? Get a lawyer involved? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the first thing is always the communication. You know, look, you never know who's going to be sympathetic and who won't be. But if you can resolve it amongst yourselves, always better, even though if you do resolve it, I definitely think that you should, you know, make sure it's properly documented. Yeah. The last thing you need is somebody to say, yeah, that's fine. Don't pay me child support. And then to sue you a month later being like, we never had that conversation. Uh, so yeah. you need to definitely, so you may have to involve a lawyer, most likely you will, to just to document it accurately, um, just to make sure that there's no lawsuits in the future, because that would be even worse. Yeah. Okay. And then moving on to the last way, um, and you kind of alluded to this earlier, you said that there is going to be a major backlog in the court system, which could delay proceedings. So how far are things looking out now? You know, when people would have uncontested divorces and we'd submit the papers, I would tell people it takes anywhere between four and six months until you get actually divorced. Now I have zero idea. Like I say to people, listen, I can't tell you when you're going to get divorced. I mean, right now, you know, we're already in a position that anyone who wants to get divorced by the end of the year for tax purposes, that's not happening. We've already, you know, that window's pretty much gone. So you're getting divorced in 2021, odds are. But now I just don't even know when in 2021. And, you know, and as we talk about backlogs, you know, I have, again, you know, I do deal in the high net worth cases. So you do have clients that aren't going, you know, I've said this to clients, like if I have a client that's making, you know, you know, I don't know, a couple million dollars and ultimately gets cut down to a million dollars or gets cut down to, you know, 800,000 or something like that. Courts aren't going to feel bad for them. Like, you know, and I said to them, I said, you're now in a situation where you've got people that are coming in and saying, I have zero dollars. And so, yes, I understand that you're, you can no longer pay the support that you obligated yourself when you're making $3 million and now you're making 800. You can't make those ends meet. You can't pay private school. You can't pay all this. But it is very, it's a hard argument to be making on courts. And I say, you're going to be at the bottom of the pile because there's going to be so many motions of people that have zero jobs and zero assets. And I, said, and, and, you know, and I talk about the backlog. I said, by the time a court's going to look at your motion, 
you know, who knows? By then, maybe the market will be back up. Like, who knows? Um, but it's very difficult, and I do think courts are very backlogged. And I think that, you know, our judges are just, you know, they were backlogged to begin with. You know, there was budget cuts in a lot of the courts. And so judges were working over, you know, so hard to begin with. And now I can't even imagine what's going on for them. Yeah. And so listeners, that just kind of tells you, you don't need to make this decision right now if you're thinking about divorce. And I hope that you're not. But if you are, because of everything that's going on, just just hang on a little bit because there's going to be a backlog anyway. So just let's see if we can get through, get you through this situation um, and see if we can get you straight afterwards. So, okay. Well, so we know divorce is extremely hard. It's going to bring a lot of challenges for you as an attorney coming in the future. Um, but what I want to know from you, Jacqueline, is that maybe you can help me if, if some blended families right now, we're, we're trying to stick it out and we're trying to work out some of these discrepancies, uh, not, not something like the vaccine that's more serious, but some of these little things like social distancing and who's coming to your house and where can you go and things like this. Do you have any guidance on how a couple or an ex-couple, I should say, can navigate some of these disagreements without needing an attorney? Well, I think it's all about communication. I mean, if there's a parenting coordinator that was someone that you had worked with, you know, historically during the divorce, I think I'm really putting a big push on parenting coordinators, therapists, kind of third party mediators of any type um, to try to work these things out. Because, you know, as we said, the courts are in India, not getting the relief there anytime soon. And not to mention the fact like, you know, going into court is very expensive. A lot of times you're spending more money than the money you're fighting about. And all you're doing is adding a lot of hostility to an already hostile situation. So if you're able to do it through a mediator, if you're able to do it even amongst yourselves, I mean, I've had clients that are now going to like mutual good friends who are willing to kind of step in and help. Um, But yeah, I mean, but it's all about communication. It's all about kind of like recognizing where we are, taking a little sympathy on people. I know that there's, you know, there's a lot of history and a lot of baggage, but, you know, we are in a weird place in the world and anything that people can do to try to recognize that and be empathetic and be sympathetic and do whatever they can to kind of make this work for everyone. I'm encouraging greatly. Yeah, I totally agree. That's why I do a lot of coaching through my podcast. And because I always feel sometimes that third person, even like you said, if it's a friend or just some outsider that's able to kind of help you with your disagreements. And one of the things that you practice, Jacqueline, is collaborative divorce. And so I'd love for you to explain exactly what is collaborative divorce and why is it best to find a lawyer who maybe practices that? So collaborative law is where you enter into an agreement saying you're not going to go to court. So it's a very big push on settlement. And if the process breaks down and it's voluntary, so the husband can say, I don't want to do it anymore. The wife can say she doesn't want to do it anymore. Um, In a situation like that, you cannot use the same attorneys in litigation. So it's a very, very big push on settlement. You have to go through a ton of training um, to become a collaborative attorney. And also it's an interdisciplinary approach. So you bring in a divorce coach, which is a therapist trained in the model, a financial neutral, and a child specialist is applicable. So I always joke and say, I'm the most expensive player on the team. Why wouldn't you use these other people? Um, it's a really nice way to do it if ultimately, like, you know, if you can't do mediation, which, you know, generally I'm a big advocate. If you can do mediation, it's usually the better way to go. But if you can't do mediation, whether there's a power imbalance, whether you feel like you need an attorney in the room, whether it's just something you're not comfortable with, then I'm like, all right. And my other suggestion is then you try collaborative law because, again, it's just a nicer way to do things. It's more respectful. You know, you don't have the pressure of the court. You don't have the backlog of the court. You can control timeline. You know, a lot of times we do these in, you know, our ultra high net worth cases and celebrity cases or anything like that. It's private. Um, and so it's, it's a nice, it's a nicer way to do it if you can do it. 
you know, sometimes it doesn't work and that's fine. And if the courts aren't going anywhere, but I'm a big advocate of trying those first two avenues before running to a courthouse. Yeah, that's great. I didn't even know that something like that existed. So I think that that's wonderful. Jacqueline, you also wrote a book called The New Rules of Divorce, 12 Secrets to Protecting Your Wealth, Health, and Happiness. So I want to hear all about your book. So I wrote this book. It's kind of, it's sort of interesting um, in these times because obviously I wrote this before I came out in January. And so this book really is kind of targeted to people that are considering divorce, not sure what they want to do. And it's really an education. Um, but the thing about this book, and this is why it's probably a little different than others, is that, you know, I, my first couple of chapters talk about, are you sure you want to get divorced? It's one of the questions I ask clients right away, because a lot of them, I think they do. And then when I start talking about what it really looks like to get divorced, they say, you know what, my spouse isn't that bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what this book is, you know, the beginning of it is really that, like, it's kind of a, you know, are you ready for your kids not to sleep under the same roof of you? Are you ready for your kids not to um, spend every holiday with you. Like, how do you feel about that? Is that something you're truly ready to do? Are you ready to let go of control, which a lot of people are not willing to do? Do you feel like, are you ready for your lifestyle to change? Because look, two households are more expensive than one. I don't care how much money you have. It's always more expensive. So are you ready to let go of certain things? Are you ready to possibly have to go back to work when you haven't worked? You know, all of these things you start thinking about. And sometimes people are like, no, you know, and that's fine. You know, you can stay in people, you know, relationships are very, very complex. I don't pass judgment on anyone. I have many people who stay in relationships, not because they're still in love, but because it makes sense for them at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we also talk, I also talk a lot about, you know, how do you hire an attorney? What's the right type of attorney to hire for you? You know, what, um, we talk a lot about the emotions of divorce, you know, and then there's practical advice. Obviously we talk about, you know, asset distribution. We talk about child support. We talk a lot about custody and how you want to handle custody and the thoughts you want to give about it and emotionally how you want to handle it. There are some chapters on self-care, which I think is really important for people because, you know, it's like if you can't take care of yourself, you're not going to be able to take care of others. You know, as I say, you know, put your own, uh, your own airline mask on first because if you pass out, you're not helping your kids. So at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's a book that's really about education, but it's also, you know, it's also to dispel some of the myths. Like when I talk about the new rules, you know, a lot of people still are under the impression that, you know, if you're a mom, you automatically get custody. And that has been something that is shifting greatly. Um, And what's very interesting is that I'm truly curious to see what will end up happening with custody claims after COVID, because one of the big claims, you know, why a primary caretaker is the person that's usually with the child more and more involved in the day-to-day activities and observing, you know, what's the favorite stuffed animal and what's the favorite food and all of these sort of things. But now that you have so many parents where you have both parents that are home and both parents are involved much more in the daily caretaking than there ever been before, I'll be curious to see how much this speeds up the idea of there being this automatic 50-50. And so it, it will be interesting. And, you know, again, I wrote this before, obviously knowing COVID, but now that I've you know, and I said, I was kind of giving the warning to a lot of parents who, you know, have dedicated their entire lives to their children and the idea that they're not going to possibly be with them 24 seven, they need to be ready for that. And so that's what a lot of this book addresses. And the other thing that um, is sort of interesting, the other reason that I think this book is sort of a timely book, it sort of goes back to what we were talking about earlier, in that when people called me and they would basically say, I want out and I say, well, are you sure become educated. And so a lot of what you know, I would say if you, you know, I wouldn't necessarily say my book, but I'd say any book, you know, just become educated on the divorce process because during this quarantine and during all of this, I'd rather, you know, if you realize you don't want to get divorced, you may totally 
do a 180 and realize that I better start working on my marriage and take advantage of the time together to be able to strengthen your marriage instead of just saying, I'm, I want out, say, how am I going to get through this as opposed to how am I going to get out of it? And so that's really, you know, hopefully educating yourself would help it. So, I mean, the book is a little bit more targeted toward the women, to women, the way I wrote it, but it definitely can be used by men. You know, and I tried to be as lighthearted as possible and jokey about it, you know, and really talking to people in the same way that I would talk to them in an initial consult, that the book is much cheaper. Well, I love that you wrote this book. I think it's actually amazing for the listeners because what better to learn these tips from than a divorce attorney, someone who's been in the trenches, you know what people are arguing about, you know how serious it can get. And I love that you're giving, and I love that it's the new rules of divorce because you're right. Back then it was different. Everything was handled differently and nobody does know how difficult it is, right? We just think, gosh, things are getting uncomfortable. I'm going to get a divorce. It won't be that bad. And there's a lot of things that you don't think about. And so I love that you wrote this book. It really helps people know what they need to look at and helps them make that decision uh, and helps really walk them through it. So thank you for doing that. And I'm sure that you've learned so much in your career. And what did you say? 25 years? Uh, no, not yet. 20, 20 years? <laughs> was see. it 20 or 20? A little over 20 years. A little, a little over 20. 20 years. 20 years. That's still, a, that's, I mean, that's a very, very long time. So mm-hmm. what I want to know, Jacqueline, is after all these years working in divorce, working with couples, what's the best advice that you can give my listeners today who might be either going through a divorce right now, or maybe they're thinking about getting a divorce after COVID? What, what advice can you give them? Really to become educated. I mean, that's, you want to make educated decisions and you don't want to make emotional decisions, even though obviously emotions play in. So I, I can't emphasize enough how much it's important to be able to sit and like know what you're doing before you do it. And so it's really about becoming educating, recognizing, I want you to be able to envision what divorce is going to look like before you start throwing out the word and then to do it in the most respectful way possible. I mean, you know, no matter how much money anyone has, no one wants to pay money on legal fees. And so it is very, very important that you do everything you can to be respectful. Still, you know, if you have children together, you're going to be parents for the rest of your lives. And so, you know, getting that little bit of extra pound of flesh right now might not really be the best idea. Great advice. And what would be the best way for my listeners to learn more about you or contact you? Uh, So, you know, they can go on to our website. I have nycdivorcelawyer.com. And then also my law firm website, which is berkbot.com, B-E-R-K-B-O-T.com. And okay, the book great. can be purchased on Amazon. Perfect. So I'm going to make sure that your websites and the book are in the show notes for the listeners. It has been truly amazing to get a chance to talk with you today. Jacqueline, you've taught... You've taught us a lot about divorce and what to look for. And I would definitely hope that maybe you'd come back on in the future after all this is over so we can kind of talk about what actually happened and how we kind of uh, ended some of these situations. I'd love to do that. You have been listening to the Blended Family Podcast. For more information, please visit the website at blendedfamilypodcast.com. Remember, to create the peaceful home you desire, all you need is love.